All right, welcome to Blackhawk Church. My name is Chris, and I'm one of the pastors on the teaching team here at Blackhawk Church. And let me just kind of uh, jump on what uh, was just said about this new series, Live This Book. Man, I am so excited about this. We have never done a series like this at Blackhawk Church. And next week, Pastor Charles is going to kick off the series. This is going to be a fantastic series. So I encourage all of you to um, be a part of it. So hey, welcome to all the uh, new students, the college students who are uh, coming back, whether it's Madison College or Edgewood or uh, that huge university downtown. And just welcome to Blackhawk Church, welcome to Madison. If you are new to Blackhawk Church, uh, I'm the pastor on the teaching team who uh, once a year goes on a canoe fishing trip uh, to Canada, and I just got back uh, from my trip. Would you like to see some vacation photos? It doesn't matter. I'm going to show you those photos anyway. Fantastic trip uh, that we had. I've been going up to the Quetico, which is a, a, a provincial park in Ontario. It's about the size of Rhode Island. Been going up there for about 24 years for a couple of different guys. And this year was our largest uh, trip. So here's a photo of the guys uh, that I went with. This is eight different guys. I'm going to take a few minutes here to introduce you to them. This guy on the far left, I've known this guy for 48 years. Known him longer than I've known my wife, actually. His name's Al Kwiatkowski. And he's a, he was my college roommate and a really super great gymnast back in the day. So we still keep in touch. He lives in Phoenix. He flew up for the trip. Next to him is Kyle Buckman. He's the best chef ever in the wilderness. This guy's, we gain weight on our trip because of Kyle. That's Mark Johnson. Mark likes hockey. He loves to fish, man. Really good time. That's me there. Guy named Tom Moore. Rick Lindroth is the guy with a jacket on back there. Rick is a professor of ecology at the university. We like always stopping. Rick, tell us about that. Rick, what's that? What's that? And then he launches into a lecture. Awesome to go on a wilderness trip with an ecologist. Fantastic. And that's Paul Kundert. And this is Paul's first time on our trip. And man, he did a fantastic job. And then my good friend, uh, Steve uh, Rogers. We had a fantastic time. So it's a canoe fishing trip. So uh, we do a lot of porging, things like that. So I got ahead of a picture of a canoe, and that's Paul and Rick and Kyle in a canoe. That's kind of the weather uh, we had. So it was like a fantastic time. It's also a fishing trip. So here's a picture of your friendly neighborhood pastor with a fish. The fish wasn't that big, but if you hold the fish close to the camera, <laughs> That's a tip for you right there. You just like do that because it's real important for fishermen to have like large fish. And the bass were jumping in the boat. I'm telling you, man, awesome. And then this is a good friend of mine, Steve Rogers, with a fish. He looks like he's about ready to kiss, kiss that fish uh, right there, but it was a great trip. So Steve and Rick and I, I've been going up to the Quetico for 24 uh, years in a row, and sometimes we miss a trip or something like that, but we just have a fantastic time up there. and like to take other people uh, with us, expose them to wilderness experience. One of the things we love to do in the wilderness, and when you're far away from the city lights, is to look up at the night sky at night. And so, man, we had some fantastic viewing 
all of the mosquitoes in Canada came down to the United States. There were none in Canada. And we laid out at night and just looked up at the stars. And oh my gosh, it was amazing. And the northern lights came out for us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you could actually see the northern lights in the reflection of the lake. We were looking at constellations by looking down at the lake. That kind of night. That's a wilderness experience. You guys know that I love the stars. And for those of us who love the stars, oh, my gosh, this last year. Whoa! <laughs> because... A telescope was launched called the James Webb Telescope. Yeah, James Webb Telescope. This is the telescope. This is further away from the Earth than Hubble. And it's like you can see, we're seeing things now. Look at some of these photos of things we're seeing now. I mean, it's mind-blowing what we're seeing with the James Webb Telescope. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have heard of the James Webb Telescope? Raise your hand. Show of hands. Awesome. You may not know this about the James Webb. It was launched, so you might know when it was launched, Christmas Day in 2021. And when it was launched on Christmas Day, Bill Nelson, who's the chief administrator for NASA, was there giving a pre-launch talk, and it was captured on video. And uh, there had been many delays in the James Webb. He talks a little bit about that, but then he mentions what we're actually gonna be talking about today. Bill Nelson, Chief Administrator of NASA, watch this. The Psalm that Bill Nelson was talking about, Psalm 19, that's the Psalm for today. I'm so excited, I can't hardly stand it. Open your Bibles to Psalm 19. This is the last in our series of Psalms uh, for the summer, and uh, I get the privilege of standing in front of many people and reading through this great piece of poetry. Psalm 19. For the director of music, a psalm of David. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It's like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. <laughs> this is a great poetry. C.S. Lewis, uh, the British scholar, said this is the uh, greatest poem in all the book of Psalms. Let's go slowly through the first part of this poem. First verse. The heavens, Hashemayim, declare the glory of God. The skies, Harakiah, proclaim the work of his hands. David uses two different words to talk about the night sky. These words, perhaps, he borrowed from Genesis chapter 1. Uh, the heavens, Hashemayim, and then the 
this, this like dome. The ancients thought there was like a dome over uh, the earth in which God put the night lights. And that was the rakia. And, or some translations call it the firmament. And that, what do they actually do? The heavens declare the glory of God. And the skies proclaim the work of his hands. That's what, that's what they're actually doing. But they proclaim and they speak about God in a very unique way. How do they do it? Next verse. They do it constantly, day after day, night after night. They do it non-verbally. They use no words, and they do it universally. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the end of the world. They're constantly preaching, constantly proclaiming, but it's the kind of preaching people like because there's no words involved. (laughs) No offense to any preachers in the room right now. Oh, that would be me, wouldn't it? (laughs) That's the kind of preaching people enjoy. Very silent. They just speak, and they speak constantly. They're revealing knowledge. They're telling us about God. But interestingly, David doesn't focus on all those lights in the night sky. His case study is the nearest star, the sun. We go on. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It's like a tent. So it disappears. You don't see it anymore. It's like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. Now, this is where the uh, Hebrew people would go, <laughs> see, does anybody get the humor here? <laughs> he's about ready to come out, and he's, he's going to uh, take his bride. And then, <laughs> that's what's happening here. Sorry, that's what's happening. Yeah, yeah. Like a champion rejoicing to run his course. I can't wait. can't wait to run. Awesome. And I'm going to run on my course. It rises at one end of the heavens, makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. And these, these night lights and these daylights, the sun and the stars, they speak and they're telling us about God. What are, what, are they, what are they telling us about God? That's the first verse. Verse one. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. We're laying, we're laying in Canada on our backs and we're just looking up. We can't hear a thing, but it's like this. This is our God. He is working. These are his work. What can our God do? Bam. <laughs> Boom, that's what he can do. Not too long ago, I was with a group of friends. And uh, one of my friends uh, said, in a serious moment, Pastor Chris, do you ever have any doubts about God? Do you like doubt God or do you even doubt his existence? 
Immediately, I said, absolutely, absolutely, I doubt God. Absolutely, I doubt the whole, th- I doubt the whole thing sometimes. And the, my friends in the room were kind of surprised that I would say that. I mean, like, you know, I'm a professional pastor. You know, I'm, I'm a professional, reli- I get paid to be religious, you know? And, and yet, I doubt, sometimes, yeah, I doubt the whole thing. In fact, I think doubting is actually psychologically healthy, to tell you the truth. It's like being honest. <laughs> am, I, am I the only one? The amount of undeserved suffering in the world, you guys, is incalculable. It's incalculable. And as a pastor, I'm, I'm around suffering. I did a funeral yesterday. Two of my uh, closest friends have just gotten a really bad, bad diagnosis with a bad cancer. As, as a pastor, you, you see suffering all the time. And sometimes I'm just like, I'm neck deep in, in discouragement. I'm neck deep in depression. And I'm like, God, why, why this man? Why is he getting that? What is happening here? What's going on there? Oh my God, where are I just doubt the whole thing. And then I walk outside. And I look up. Something happens to me. It's, it's intangible. It's like God is speaking to me. Well, this psalm says it's not God speaking to me. It's his creation is speaking to me. And they're saying to me silently, you have no idea, Dolson, how big God actually is. You have no clue. He's unfathomable. You guys, the nearest star to us, not counting our sun, is four and a half light years away. That's really, 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 really far, you guys. Four and a half, it takes four and a half years traveling the speed of light for the light of the nearest star to get to us. So just go outside tonight and just pick a star. The star at zenith right above our heads is Vega. That's like 30 light years away. Just look at that one. Or just pick a star. These stars are like way, way far away. So it's like, it takes like, like Vega, it takes like 30 years for that light to get to me. So I'm going to ask you a question. If God is big enough to be here and there at the same time, what time is it for God? <laughs> Boom. <laughs> I don't have the ability to comprehend that. I can tell you that he doesn't relate to time and space the way we relate to time and space. And he probably doesn't relate to all the things that are happening here the way my heart relates to And I'm not going to force someone who's great to think about things the way I think about things. I'm glad that I can't fathom God. I wouldn't want a God that I could fathom. Would you? God is unfathomable. He's greater than we can possibly imagine. And the lights in the sky tell us that all the time. Somebody say amen. The psalm goes on. 
The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statute, well, stop, 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 stop. What, what are we, are we, do we have the wrong, is it the wrong verse? What's happening here? We were just talking about the sun. What, 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 what's going on? This is like, what? Now he's talking about the law of the Lord is perfect. The statutes of the Lord are the precepts. What, what's happening? It's like, like you go to sleep in one place and you wake up someplace completely different. Like, where am I? Where am I? Where am I? This is, this is an abrupt shift, you guys. What kind of poet is this? Well, let's read on. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, honey from the honeycomb. Look, look, look what he's doing here. Look about the law and then the statutes, and then the precepts, the commands, the fear of the Lord, the decree. This guy's in love with rules. This is a celebration of rules. What does he say these rules? Oh, it's gonna, re- it's gonna refresh. It's going to make, it's going to make wise. They, they, they give joy. These rules, they're gonna give joy. It's per- it endures forever, the decrees, they're firm, and all of them are righteous. I just love the law. He's talking about the night sky. He's talking about the sun. And now he goes, I just love the rules. What, 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 what's, what's happening here? He says that these laws and precepts, commands, are more precious than gold. Much pure gold. Let's look at some pure gold. Boom. Almost pure. So what is this worth? What's the price, price of gold right now? Does anybody know price of gold per gram? $55 a gram. So these bars are 1,000 grams. So one bar is $55,000. So David says, if I had a choice between all those bars of gold and the word of God, I choose the word of God every time, every time. (laughs) Would you? Heck, forget you, would I? Oh yeah, no, I I don't want any of those bars. I'd rather have the word of God. Yeah, for some of us, we're like, you know what? I like the Bible, (laughs) you know? It's, I mean, you know, I, like, you know, it's okay, but, you know, like, what are we talking about there, you know? I mean, like, wow, knew everything, like, lots of that. And Pastor Chris, I could just give stuff away and help people that are poor and everything like that, you know? <laughs> really. Yeah, when we think of the law, we don't think of it like that. We think of the law as restrictive, Freedom, that's what I want. I want to be free to be myself, be who I'm going to be. David says, not so much. (laughs) I don't want that. I want to be obedient to all those restrictions. That just, that's weird. He's thinking differently. 
Let me see if I can illustrate it. Imagine you're a train, like this train. You can go where cars can't go. You can go where bicycles can't go. You can go where all kinds of people can't go. You're going all over the... You see in the mountains and the rivers and the ocean. You, 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 just, you, just, you could go, oh my gosh, this is unbelievable what you can see just in our country. And one day you say to yourself, there's more to the world than I can see on these stupid tracks. I want to get off these tracks. And all of a sudden, one day, you get off those tracks, and that's a train wreck. It's, it's like, it's a, it's a disaster. You can't go anymore. It's a disaster for all kinds of people in your life. And when it's a disaster, you say to yourself, I wish I was back on those tracks. Why does David say what he says about the law? Because that's a man who went off the tracks. That's, that's a man who, when all the other kings went out to war, he looked from his roof and he saw a beautiful naked woman. He says, I want that woman. And, 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 and he, he had sex with her. And it was the wife of one of his best warriors, Uriah. And then he tried to make it like, well, it was actually, you know, him that had sex. No, Uriah was an innocent man. He had Uriah killed. He lied about it. That's the guy who wrote the psalm. And his life was a disaster, and it was a train wreck. And he's saying to himself, man, I wish I wasn't off those tracks. I want to get back on those tracks. If you think of it like that, then the disconnect between um, these verses and what preceded is, it's not that big of a disconnect. Because he just said about the sun, it's on a track. Did you see that? Back to the verse that's about the sun. It's like the bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his aura. It's, his, it's a track course. The sun is not a cross-country runner. It's a track star. It goes around a certain track. It makes its circuit. The ancient people, they, they saw this circuit, and, and the night lights are on a particular track. They behave the same way. All of the time. And the sun, you can observe, it goes, it goes like this. And the ancients thought that it would, this is before 1543 when Copernicus wrote that little pamphlet and said, no, it's the other way around, actually. They all believed that it was like this. Goes like this. Boom. That's what it looks like. And it's consistent all the time. The heavens obey boundaries. And we all benefit because of that. And human beings, if we obeyed those boundaries that are in the law, everyone would benefit. And David is saying, I love rules. I love your rules. I know I love them because I went off once. <laughs> it ain't worth it. 
<laughs> it's what people say after they close down a bar at night. And you can't find your way home. And you go, God, oh, I wish, I wish I was back on the track. That's why he loves them. And he wants his life to be different because of it. So we go on in the song. By them, those rules, your servant is warned. In keeping them, there's great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. He's saying, I, your laws, they help me. They help me become the kind of person I want to be, a person of great integrity. May I be that way. That's what he's saying in his psalm. And then the last verse of the psalm is where he's been going all along. And it's the verse that unlocks the rest of the psalm. But it's not the most famous passage in the psalm. Here's the verse. 14, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. When you look at Psalm 19, at first, it looks like there's three separate parts. There's the famous verses about the night sky that the director of NASA even quotes. And then you got these verses about the law that doesn't seem to fit with the other verses at all. And then you've got this thing, I, I, I just want to be a person of integrity. And then you have that verse. How do they all fit together? That's the key. May my life, may my life be pleasing. The night sky pleases you. The law pleases you. Now may my life, which is sometimes a wreck, may it please you, God. The heavens speak of you. Your law speaks of you. May my life, may the words of my life and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Theologians speak of two different books. The book of nature and the book of God's word. This psalm is about three books. It's the book of nature. It's the book of his law. And it's the book of my life. May my life. When people look at my life. May they be drawn to you. Because my life reflects who you are. Is that your prayer? Let me ask you a question. How'd you get here today? I'm not talking about what car, what kind of car, or if you're listening on a podcast or you're watching online, how did you get to a place where you decided, this is what I'm going to listen to now? Or if you're here physically, you got to a place where you go, I'm not sleeping in, I'm going to go to church. How did you get to that place in your life? I bet it wasn't because of the stars. Just saying. 
I bet it wasn't because of, uh, of the Bible, listening to the Bible. I bet it was because of the influence of someone's life in your life. Maybe it was a grandparent. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was a coworker. Maybe it was a coach. But someone lived their life differently. Even though they go through all kinds of difficulties, they respond to them differently. And they had something that you didn't have. And you want that. That influenced you. Maybe it was years ago. Maybe it was last week. Maybe it's happening right now. And you go, I want what they have. I'll tell you how I got here today. It was the way God used one man in my life. He was a tool that God used. You know, I tell this story all the time. You know, 30 pounds ago, I was a gymnast at Indiana State University, 1974. 1975, I meet a man who's a reporter for the paper. He covered basketball, covered gymnastics. His name was Mike Russell. And Mike was a tool that God used. I'd never met anyone like him. He was a person of integrity. I could ask all of my doubting questions about him. I could challenge Christianity in front of him. And he'd just listen, and then he would just... I don't know the answer to that, but let's discover that on our own. Let's, let's, let's read something together. I'd never met anyone like that. He, he didn't seem religious. He seemed like he was in love and had a relationship with a real person, Jesus Christ. This last summer, I had a barbecue with my friend Mike at Terry Black's Barbecue. I'm not getting sponsored by them at all for this advertising. <laughs> But if you're ever in Austin, I'm telling you, that's the place to go. Who are you influencing? This is kind of the beginning of the year, you guys. It's kind of the beginning of the year. Our rhythm changes this time of the year. School gets back. And for many of us, we go, this is a new year, starting a new year. Verse 14 is a prayer for the beginning of the year. And it's a prayer that you make to God and you say, I want my life to count for something. I want my life to influence other people. Like that guy in Pastor Chris's life influenced him. I I wouldn't have married my wife if it hadn't been for Mike. I wouldn't have gone into ministry without Mike. His influence has had incredible, incredible effect. Who are you influencing? You have no idea what you can do if your life reflects the life of God to others, like the stars reflect God, and like his word reflects God. Some of you say, oh, Pastor Chris, I am a sinful person. I am a mess. I, can, I would never be able to stop, 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 stop. The guy that wrote the psalm is a murderer, adulterer, and a liar. Okay, maybe you're worse than that, but I kind of doubt it. 
It was his heart. His heartbeat was, I want to represent God to others. May my life be pleasing to him. If that's your wish, this is your prayer. Let's look at verse 14 again. Say it with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Leave it up there. Just think about what you just said. My words. When I talk to my kids, when I talk to my neighbors, my words. My meditations. What I think about when nobody's around. What I read and look at when nobody's around. May my meditations be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. It's a prayer for New Year. Is it your prayer? Say it with me right here. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. One more time. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. One more time, loud. May the words of my mouth, may the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let's pray. Oh, God, how neighborhoods and families would change if those words were true coming out of our mouths and lived out by our lives. So many things would change. May we be empowered by your spirit to live for you as a witness like the stars, like the sun, like your word. May we be a witness to others of your greatness and your glory and your work. We pray this in Jesus' name and for the sake of his reputation. All God's people said.